This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Rob Breckenridge in for Shagan. Welcome to the Sound with the Program. Interesting timing here as we get into this next conversation word this morning that Amazon is set to lay off thousands of corporate employees so the latest uh, big tech company, I guess Amazon would fit into that box, uh, to uh, announce some big layoffs. We've seen this uh, more recently with some of the big uh, tech, or the rather the big social media platforms, uh, in particular Twitter, where there's been all kinds of chaos and upheaval since uh, Elon Musk took over, and Meta, which is the parent company for Facebook and Instagram. I think maybe the situation at Twitter has kind of overshadowed what's been going on at Meta, but that's another company that, look, their, their stock price has taken a big hit. They laid off uh, thousands of people. So why are these companies cutting staff? And what's the potential fallout from all of that? Well, uh, joining us uh, for some thoughts on all this, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this morning, Dr. Daniel Syme, lecturer in business, law, and technology at the University of Toronto and Toronto Metropolitan University. Daniel, great to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So now, as we say, we add Amazon to the list. I don't know if that, that changes the dynamic of, of what's going on here because it's not just the social media platforms. It's other tech companies, too. But what, what's your sense, big picture, what's going on here? Well, there are slightly different reasons. Uh, for instance, with uh, Elon Musk and Twitter, that is a those major layoffs, 50% of his workforce, is a function to the fact that advertisers got spooked by the uh, free, speech, free speech absolutist. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Musk is uh, adamant about uh, free speech, and uh, that backfired because he basically got uh, a lot of activists and people that uh, pressured advertisers to pause their advertising, which caused him to uh, get into the blue check mark and charging that per per month. Uh, the other thing that uh, makes it different is when you look at the other companies like Amazon and Facebook, they made a huge bet on uh, the basically people migrating to online activity. Even Canada's Shopify had 10% layoffs, and this is earlier than these two. Uh, This is in July. And it's all because they bet big on people's behaviors changing permanently towards online, and uh, it just didn't uh, bear out the way they thought it would. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch. I don't know, you know, we're talking about Twitter, um, what Elon Musk envisions for Twitter, what his ultimate goal is, whether he even has a plan. It's just, it seems like he's been flailing a little bit. What what have you made of that? Well, his desperation moves there. Uh, He's got $9 billion U.S. of his uh, Tesla stock wrapped up into the financing, his $44 billion U.S. purchase of Twitter. So his personal fortune is at stake. He's got a lot of money in this. And when advertisers basically stopped giving him a revenue, he had to uh, make sure that uh, he generated some income uh, in order to keep the company afloat. So he was saying that uh, they're losing $4 million a day. Uh, labor is the, one of the biggest expenses that they have there. And so what you're seeing is uh, kind of a reverse cycle of him trying all these different measures to revenue and monetize 
Twitter and uh, some of it, like the blue check mark, is failing because he's doing it on a haphazard fashion. It's uh, showing desperation, and really, it's a function of the fact that he thought he'd have that advertising revenue and didn't think people on social media would fight back and uh, pressure advertisers to stop advertising with them. Well, see, SpaceX is advertising on Twitter, which is, uh, I, I don't know, a creative way of addressing that. It doesn't, doesn't seem sustainable in the long run, you know, to have uh, money coming out of uh, one pocket and going into to another. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens at, at Twitter. I mean, well, what, what's going on at Meta then? I mean, it almost seems like that's been kind of overshadowed by some of the chaos at Twitter. I don't know that Meta's necessarily benefiting from some of that chaos at Twitter, but what seems to be their issue right now? Well, the thing with Meta is Zuckerberg bet big on the metaverse. In fact, uh, his subsidiary Reality Labs is developing uh, the virtual reality of the metaverse for Meta. And so what's interesting there is they're bleeding huge money. Uh, $3.7 billion U.S. was one of the figures that was given as losses uh, spent on this project. And I don't know about you, but uh, when I talk to my students, Facebook is the social media app that their parents and grandparents use. Right. And uh, everyone's moving towards or has moved towards other platforms like uh, TikTok because it gives you quick hits. The algorithm is incredibly uh, intuitive. And so even if you're on, a, on a, a, a link that you like or content that you like for a few seconds, it immediately gauges that and keeps giving you the right hits, the right doses of content to keep you totally obsessed and addicted to it. And so what's interesting with Meta is they, they thought that would be a trend for, uh, for people is that they would migrate, especially younger users who are a lucrative growing de- um, demographic for them, would migrate to the metaverse. And I can tell you, none of my students are on it, and I'm certainly not, and none of the people I know. Uh, so that, that shows to me that he bit big and it's failing, and he's admitted as much, and that's why he's taken these dramatic cuts is, is he is he too far down this path to to reverse? I mean, are, are we about to see another big pivot at Meta? I don't know about a big pivot, but I think uh, one thing that's evident is last year, during the height of COVID, people were locked down. Uh, you know, we were all relying on our Amazon packages. Uh, you know, Christmas for adults is what they call it. And uh, we were at home surfing the net. And what was interesting is because they bet so big on people maintaining those behaviors, uh, they kind of forgot something about that's fundamental about human nature, is we still want to go out. We still want to shop. We want to see things. We want to meet people, uh, touch, feel, and engage in conversation face-to-face and not just do it on Zoom. So I think uh, it was a misjudgment on that part. Now, in terms of a pivot, you know, the thing about this is he's invested so much money, they, uh, they actually scaled up their employees by 28% last year, and this is only a 13% cut this year. I think what we're going to be looking at, and that's 11,000 people, uh, we'll probably see more room for cuts at uh, Meta in order to address the revenue shortfalls and the fact that people's behaviors are going back to real-line, real-world experiences and moving to other platforms that are more attractive. And Facebook, like Twitter, do face the prospect of becoming the MySpace AOL online, yeah. which nobody knows or remembers uh, of our generation. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, we, we fought for a time of these uh, social media platforms as, as almost too big to fail. And, and, you know, that there was no way that anyone could mount a, a serious challenge. They were so entrenched. That's turning out not necessarily to be the case. I, I don't know who necessarily benefits from this. But if, you know, if individual users, consumers basically are, are looking to go elsewhere, if there's all of this uh, available tech talent, is now the time for some, some meaningful competition to arise? Well, I think what we're seeing is uh, the competition is there already. TikTok is definitely uh, raising a lot of uh, questions and uh, their, you know, concerns about the fact that uh, TikTok is a China-based company, right. but it's a dominant social media player. Uh, I think that's one of the, the, the things that we have to look at is the, the bigger these companies become, uh, they do become stagnant and uh, smaller competitors uh, can usurp them, just like Google kind of usurped Yahoo. And uh, and so I think uh, that's one of the things that they have to be concerned about. They can't always just buy out their competition, especially under, under a Joe Biden administration, which has a, a strong antitrust approach where they don't want all that consolidation and concentration of power uh, in just a few companies, you know, thinking about... Uh, you know how Donald Trump got elected uh, with uh, Facebook promoting a lot of that uh, disinformation. So uh, I think you're seeing there's a regulatory environment that's uh, kind of uh, hostile, but at the same time, so they can't just buy out their competition. And at the same time, they have to be competitive. And it's hard to, to do so when you're that big, you have that much scale. And you can see it with uh, Elon Musk. Uh, by incorporating a change within a span of a week where everybody's now impersonating somebody, uh, with oh, the, and getting a blue check mark for it, it's totally undermined his system because you can't just make changes like that at a breakneck, breakneck speed for a large social media company platform like you can in a smaller company that could be an upstart and usurp their, 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 their place in the market. Well, there was a couple of companies. One of them was uh, Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical company, and there was another. I forget which it was now. And, and again, someone had paid to get the blue check mark and was impersonating these companies and making these announcements to the point where it actually affected their stock price. So I, I, I almost wonder maybe whether Elon Musk is walking headlong into some lawsuits here. This could all blow up in a big way for him. Well, it's interesting because uh, the, the promise was free insulin, and right, yeah. uh, that resulted in a 4% uh, price drop. Uh, and also billions of uh, stock market value just based on an impersonation parody account and uh, the haphazard way he rolled it out. You, you're right. There is a prospect there of a class action suit. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think uh, he's trying to do whatever he can to keep the company going. He's going to take risks. He's already said that uh, he doesn't particularly respect uh, the FTC and some of the regulatory authorities. He's gotten in trouble before with allegations of uh, using Twitter as a platform to boost his stock and his holdings, such as uh, crypto. And so with that all being the case, uh, we have to be very mindful that there may be a lot more of these types of screw-ups and also uh, tension where uh, on Twitter to make sure it's acting within the law and at the same time uh, providing a service that people still want. And I think uh, what we're seeing is a lot of people are going to be turned off by Twitter. 
I, I suspect so, and I, I think that's unfortunate. I mean, I'm a big user of Twitter. I, I don't want to see it crash and burn, but I guess we'll see if that ends up happening. But it does raise the question then for all of us who, who use these platforms, is it simply, you know, that, that we all just kind of sit back and watch all of this unfold and then go where we feel most comfortable? Or do you, do you think we have more of a vested interest in, in all of this? Well, I think the thing is, if you're addicted to a platform, you're unlikely to switch because of the politics surrounding it. And so there are right. people that are just going to be adherents to the platform. It's, you know, I, I know people who are totally devoted to using Google search, and even though there are better uh, search engines out there that are more reliable. And so I think it's one of those things. I even have students tell me, because I say, you know, you're being watched. Uh, your privacy is being violated because you have agreed to these cookies, and you may not have read the contracts, and you haven't. Uh, and they have told me, they said, I kind of like it because it just gives me better content because it does know everything I'm doing uh, without really understanding the implications. So I think there's, a, there's an element of that where people kind of get stuck on platforms, but they can easily migrate, and it's generational differences. So you will see people who will never use Facebook, Meta, or be on the Metaverse because they just like TikTok. Yeah. And uh, people are telling me the quality information on TikTok has gotten so good. They don't even read reviews or articles anymore. They just get the quick hits of information through these little videos. They find that more reliable than, uh, than reading. But do you foresee a situation where, and maybe it would be largely American-driven, where you know, the company TikTok is almost forced to, to carve off sort of a separate U.S.-based entity because of all those concerns about China, but just how dominant the platform is becoming? Well, that's been a question of debate is whether or not they'll force uh, ownership changes and have uh, Americans owning the majority of the company in the U.S. Uh, you know, Canada's done that in a different context when it comes to mining and resource companies, especially right. when they have rare metals, uh, which are important for uh, electric car vehicles. So they've, they've actually ordered uh, some of these foreign uh, owners that are from China to, to divest. So I think that's something that potentially could happen. Uh, China will take it the wrong way mm -hmm. because there's a lot of geopolitics involved, especially with the uh, economy so wrapped up in technology and chips and uh, what happens with software. So I think uh, this, this could escalate. And it's one of those things we have to watch is to see what they do with these proxy companies. Companies are considered to be extensions like of, the, of China, like Huawei, for instance. And uh, these things have to be kind of monitored because it's going to have impacts on consumers and also just in the political space uh, in terms of international trade. If you're doing a business uh, abroad, you know, you have to be mindful of the fact that there's going to be ongoing repercussions. We'll leave it there. Uh, Daniel, appreciate the insight. Thanks so much for joining us here this morning. Okay. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.